0: What is going on, everybody? Football Boys here, the chief communications officer of the USS Post Show. If you're listening to this right now, it is Thanksgiving Day here in the United States, and I'm thankful for you guys for making Commanders Log a possibility and reality. Usually, I'm being joined by the captain of the USS Post Show, John Weber, but he is off-world doing crazy-like stuff, so I'll be piloting this one alone. We're covering episode two. Of season four of Star Trek Discovery, Uh, the episode is called Anomaly, and I tried to stay up to watch it. It drops at midnight uh, on the West Coast. Uh, Couldn't do it because I'm just an old man. Got up super early to check this out, and already I am liking season four way more than seasons two and three and i know season one was his own thing we all love it it's the reason why it's in the pantheon season two i didn't quite like the mystery but i like how it got to the future season three i was on board for the character's sake but the story wasn't really engaging but this is Something I think about when I think about how cool Star Trek is uh, the mirror universe was like the 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 big bad season one But this anomaly itself is one. It's a great scientific mystery It uh, looks like there's some sort of logic that's going to be behind it and that alone is worth the price of a mission You know me I make this reference plenty of times if you watch commander's log. I am a huge fan of the Green Lantern Corps, and seeing the the bridge crew members of the USS Discovery deal with this ship shafting, changing anomaly. I was hooked. I was hooked from the get-go. And at the end of it, spoiler alert, well, we don't really do spoiler because it's a recap show, of course it's going to be spoilers. It kind of looks like this anomaly may be sentient. That's my guess, that's what I'm thinking. The fact that it can shift and change on a dime, no one has seen it before. Everyone's trying to putting it into a box of it being a black hole or a black hole this or a binary black hole, but it seems to be going all on a different set of rules. Makes me believe there's a higher force at play here we'll get into it. Overall, episode two really does build upon what was laid out in the first episode this season. It really heightens the tone. Uh, The comic relief uh, is few and far between, but does not mean there's moments of levity. So we may not have as many Linus scenes because Linus has not shown up at all this season. There are some chances of breathing room, but that said, action does not take a back seat. Now there's that scene where they went inside to the black hole to see what to get the data. And you had that little bit of fisticuffs in the sky with the the particles and space rubble debris. It's a very common trope in Star Trek to have the explosion, the shaking of the camera, the debris falling off the walls. But this one felt new and fresh for the gravity element of that one moment, everyone's in suspended animation. But what was the stakes there? Book, who's already going through some stuff with Quasar being destroyed, Or is it trying to reconcile that being pretty much the only person available to go ahead and on this mission with a holographic person, Stamets? And that right there prints money. That right there was a highlight for me because I never really thought about the relationship between Stamets. And book, and thankfully it was a question I wasn't thinking about, but they made sure to bring it to the front and got addressed. Uh, Anthony Rapp, who plays Stamets, has been a character that's kind of been on either side of the fence. Me, he has another lean positive, sometimes I lean negative depending on the situation because he can be a jerk at times. Let's be real. Let's be real. But here it definitely felt a little bit of that genuine. All is really wanted to do is protect his family. It went from being with his sister's husband, but now he has an extended family through Adira. And so him telling Booker that he felt helpless and powerless during that time last season was a little bit of that building block for him, as well as showing Book: hey, look, you have a family beyond your home world. We understand you've been going through some stuff. We understand if you're in mourning. You have a bit of that family here on the USS Discovery. But let's talk about one the, of the weaker storylines real quick. And that is the one between Adira and Gray. Now, I understand uh, having the love of your life, uh, being someone uh, able to recreate or to regenerate. It's pretty cool. We saw the synthetic body that was made by the same maker of Data <laughs> being able to to use that technology to bring a new version of Gray. But for me, for what it's worth, it's been a bit on the weaker side. The reason being, especially in this season where we're going back into the science, into the data collection, into, into assessing a threat and using logic, it does seem still kind of whimsical slash magical to have a character only one character can see. So as far as I'm concerned, either fish or cut bait, either give Blue his body, uh, that and they could have that discussion or have that next progression in their relationship between uh, him and Adira, or you just go, hey, you know what? Just, just end it. Now, I don't think ending is the right idea, but I really want to get to uh, Gray in the new body as quick as possible, so they can build and have different stories and different relationship quirks and all that jazz. But as far as the whole, well, you can't see him, but I can, and he's saying this. Uh, I don't think it. fit. I didn't think it fit last season. I don't think it fits this season. Um, only because now more than ever, it seems to be leaning more towards science. Uh, and the whole quasion. Uh, storyline last year where we were we introduced to kuei there really was a bit of that empathy, uh, that bit of feeling the vibe and energy of sentient beings. So I thought it kind of would live there. But but now that like literally gone, I don't really see that. You should dwell too much on that. So give Grey a body and stat. Uh, but the brightest thing for me is, uh, and I, I really felt the need to say this, is that today I really felt that Michael Burnham is... My captain, you know, as someone who got into Star Trek with Discovery and is working backwards, I, I understand the differences now between the different captains. Uh, the first captain, of course, I've seen was Lorca, which, as you know, it was kind of the biggest swerve there. Uh, but I never really identified with one. You know, they say Kirk was the swashbuckling hero that kissed the girl of the alien. That really my vibe seemed very, very anachronistic. and. Anach- Anachronistic. Uh Picard, little bit subdued for me. Jane Way Archer. Mm, uh, mm. Uh, I was a Cisco guy only by treading water because these City I was so different and at least Cisco kind of looked like me. Uh, but now more than ever, I realize that Burnham is it. That mixture of compassion, that mixture of being aloof when needed, of being logical when needed due to her Vulcan upbringing, but still understanding the human element. Not only a human element, she's a human in love and with a significant other. There's that balance. And one of my favorite comic book characters of all time As I point again to my Green Lantern lantern is uh, Green Lantern John Stewart. And here is someone, depending on the continuity, because it gets rebooted, was someone that was an architect, was already based in being a logical individual. But above that, he was also a Marine in the United States Marine Corps. So he had a bit of that authoritative nature, that bit of aloof nature, because he basically looked on schematics and and drills all day. But then he fell in love uh, with his wife pre-crisis. Was it pre-crisis? Uh, with Cosmic Odyssey, right? And when she passed away, it was a whole big deal, right? It was kind of like, ah... Woo, all right, there's that my cockiness, my arrogance, my, my cock shortness has gotten people killed. And there was that bit of humbling moment. Michael's on a very, very similar journey. In fact, you take a step back to how Discovery started. This was a commanding officer that just committed an insurrection in the pilot episode. Basically worked from the bottom, the top, going rogue, doing her own thing, but backed by her heart and her logic. And now she's sitting in the chair and does not feel forced. Four seasons in, she's definitely earned it. And the fact that she took on Mr. Saru as counsel. now an assured Saru as counsel, and Saru speaks so freely of what he should and should not do, or what he believes she should and should not do, that dynamic there is tops. Having someone that can can go to both worlds, but still reach out to someone and say, what do you think? Uh, And still have a leaven-headed decision that works for all parties is what this new core dynamic is. This is what's going to be the signature when it comes to describing the bridge crew and the crew of the Discovery as opposed to TNG, as opposed to uh, the original series. It's not quite adventure. It really is what can we do safely. But if if I'm going to be a leader, that's not going to be aloof. I'm going to go down there and fight the threats myself. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. and I really think that, that Discovery Now More Never has made a claim to be in the pantheon of Star Trek shows. I know a lot of older fans feel that way, but as someone who's went back and watched them all, or watched different series, I think it's just a product of um, nostalgia goggles. The the version you grew up with is a version you like. And my other reference I make all the time is Archie Comics, because I remember Archie in this little red jalopy, trying to go to Malt's, uh, Pop's Malt Liquor Shop, not liquor shop, Pop's Chocolate shop, <laughs> I said malt liquor shop, it's the real world. Uh, Pop's chocolate shop, and in trying to decide whether to go on a date with Betty and Veronica, when Riverdale dropped, I said, this is not my Archie, this is so wrong. But I realized there's a whole generation of kids out there who know just Riverdale, and that is their Archie. And much like I understand, if you grew up watching TNG with your mom, TNG is Star Trek for you. But I am so grateful and so thankful, no pun intended on today, that I found Discovery first because it's such a rich show and until I get that Green Lantern series it's going to be the one I want to watch the most so that was pretty cool and even that we're getting a lot more of the bridge crew that was a season one gripe but now especially this episode everyone had a chance to sign Lieutenant Nielsen uh like I mentioned last week on the show with John I like the fact that Burnham never calls um a vocation a oh I felt like it was written a certain way, and all of the other actors were like, Well, we're not pronouncing this. Like Burnham takes the time to really pronounce Joanne's name in full. Reese is pretty much the was the first to command, but now he's kind of the first point five in command. My favorite British crew member, uh um Bryce got some time. He's the chief communications officer of the like I'm the chief communications officer of the uss post show so being able to want to break the case the the moment of breaking the solution it was great for me in fact this week's code of the week is from commander bryce he says i used to kite surf the biggest breaks on manarch 4 which sounds absolutely ridiculous but normally you asked hey bryce what do you do on your downtime so yes I'm totally with it. We got backstory or or a little bit of a a character color, a little bit of depth to Bryce being able to not only have this hobby and still be a capable Starfleet member, a still capable member of the crew, but being able to give the enough of that advice to help our intrepid crew through that anomaly by riding a wave to the surface. A lot of cool stuff there. You got to check out and, and, and this week specifically, but now we're also getting a little bit more of the interplay of the ship and their morale. I know last season it was a big deal. In fact, that was ultimately Saru's undoing, was keeping the morale of USS Discovery, but now we're seeing they're in a healthier place because now with Tilly, with her own situation, was able to go to Hugh and say, or Hugh Kluber and say, Colbert there we go, Colbert and say, hey look, I'm ready to talk, talk about things. I've been going through some stuff, which I know it's just Tilly, I know it's just one person, but shows incredible growth of the crew this season. Last thing before I wrap this up, I thought it was interesting that Navarre was reintroduced, which is the alliance planet of Vulcan and, the, and Romulan. I think it's interesting that they were quick to volunteer scientific research assistance once the original data was collected. I'm not really sure what Navarre's role is going to be as the season goes on, but I'm not sure if they're going to be friends or foes. And the reason why I say that is it took a special moment to have Burnham go on the holodeck when she wanted to reflect about the cliffs when she was a young girl working on Vulcan. And I know when Star Trek plays with nostalgia from a character, it always ends up being, this is not the world you remember. This is a whole different thing. And as someone who's lived through that in real life, when the show does that, I go, something may be afoot. What do you guys think about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery Episode 2 of Season 4 Anomaly? Let me know in the comments below if you're watching the video. And if you're listening to the audio version, you can follow me on that Twitter, at Flobo or on Instagram, at Flobeto. I would love to hear from you as you fly out in space on the USS Poe Show. That is it for me. Again, Thanksgiving in the United States. If I get myself a turkey sandwich, uh, you enjoy the rest of your week. And if you think of something or someone, let them know. Until next time, live long and prosper.